You have to be direct in what you want. Because if you don't know what you want, you end up with anything. Render My Money 2021 Session 2. Good evening. I want to welcome everyone to our second series of the Render My Money financial class. Last month, we discussed God's will for our finances. We also discussed preparing a financial vision. And I want to leave off because that was one of the assignments that I gave was to create a financial vision. How many people, just by a show of hands, create a financial vision for themselves? Great. Okay. Well, one of the reasons I want to make sure this is one of the tools that's really not overlooked by anyone is because the financial vision is one of the most important parts of our financial journey. Because the financial vision will tell the universe and also relate to tell God what it is exactly we want. You know, have you ever noticed if you ever tried to bless someone and you pose the question, what do you want? Like if you're trying to go to eat. And you get, what do you want to eat? I don't know. It's really hard. And this is a universal principle. It's not just a biblical principle, because even if you look in the Bible, God always used a positive direction. Let there be light. Be healed. Get up and take up your bed and walk. You have to be direct in what you want. And it's the first part. Because if you don't know what you want, you end up with anything. And this tool is one of the most crucial tools that people forget about because they don't write it down and they don't take it seriously. So pull up slide two. I want to make sure, and for those that have a goal to be one of the top three students, this is one of the things that have to be in my email. Everybody know my email? Nobody? Everybody? It's arcrendermymoney at gmail.com. You need to have by 12 a.m. because excellence is obedience. And this is the first part of the discipline of getting your finances in order. So when you look at this, this is the financial vision that I made up. It's part of my personal financial vision, but it's also just one I made up. And what's important about a financial vision, it's not just where you want to go. It's also supposed to tell a lot about what you care about and who you are as a person, including that financial vision should be goals that align with what you think. And you can always change it. You can tweak it a little bit. But the things you think that will allow you to align with to reach your financial vision. So if you read this one, it says, my first point was to live a healthy and well-balanced life that is pleasing to God. That's really about who I am. I always want to be balanced. I never want to be too high, too low. Balance is great for me. That was a personal one. I also wanted to provide a happy, loving home for my family in a safe community. That's one of the things that when I was getting married was really important to me when I was selecting a wife. Could I have a peaceful home? That was more important to me than how well she looked. <laughs> I did pick a pretty wife, though. <laughs> The third thing was to be a good steward over my finances and to help people understand good financial stewardship. See, knowledge is one thing, but the wisdom is the applied knowledge. And a lot of times you will find, even if you look back over your life, it's not so much you didn't know what to do. Because everybody heard the saying, save for a rainy day. Don't spend all your money. Know when to cut bait. All those things are really the basis of strong financial stewardship. I want to be free from financial slavery, debt, and the need to consume products. Then that's a key one. That is a key one. Because I was a person, and I told the story, I was a person who was really, and when I was younger, I really liked to consume products. I told the story before. I bought a new car. 
took it right off the showroom floor and drove it and put a $4,000 kit on it. New rims and everything. Hadn't paid my first note. But the revelation of how that did not help my finances, and my mother explained it to me and called me a big dummy because she said if you had taken that money and put it towards the car, you could have paid it off and the car would have been a lot cheaper. And that's the slave. When people say, I can't help it. When people say, I deserve it. And they're talking about making a purchase. If it's a purchase you really can't afford, you're being controlled by your money. You're not controlling your money. You've been controlled by your money and credit and your emotions. And that's one of the first things that you have to understand, because once we start going through this budget, it's not so much income that's the issue, because we've all heard the stories. We've had in our own lives times we've got big lump sum of money. I remember I used to work and we used to get bonuses every month. It was amazing. End of the month, I never could see my bonus. It's not like it was extra money. It was not my regular salary, but I had no budget. It's just like when you go from high school to college. In high school, you have a regimented time. You have to be everywhere. And you're like, man, I got to be in the first period, second period, and it's all regimented. And then when you get to college, you may have two classes a day. But what happens to the time if you're not managing your time? The first thing they teach you in college is time management. And that's a lesson you should always learn and keep with you because that's the most valuable asset that you have, which is time. Another one was to be a positive example of high character. And why I say an example is because for my family and for people who ever came and contacted me, I want my actions to exemplify character. Whether it was somebody I knew or didn't know, or whether I was by myself, character is one of the key things I found that allows you to stay in the favor of God. When you have the character of Christ, because God knows your heart. And that's why with this money and getting your finances, the thing we talked about last month was God is more concerned with your attitude about money. You cannot take it for granted that just because you have a relationship with God and just because you're a good person, that your attitude won't change if you have not taken a diligent effort to always separate your true character from any type of stuff. Stuff cannot be what determines your happiness because you're in for a sad, sad Plateau. I mean, you're going to really crash and burn when you think stuff is going to make you happy. It's peace, and peace is God. One, the last one is to have the financial ability to choose to work a nine-to-five. Now, I never said I was going to stop working, but the ability to choose is what you want. And that's really in accordance with a well-balanced life. Listen, if you don't use it, you lose it. So even if you don't use your talents, you will lose it. We talked about the parable that Jesus talked about the the three talents and the five talents and the one talent. The whole purpose of that parable is you must use what God has given us the ability to do. And you can't get caught up with your mistakes. So when you write this down, don't get discouraged if you feel like it's late in life for you. The only thing you have is right now. You don't have tomorrow and you can't do nothing about yesterday. Only thing you have is right now. So don't speak to who I am as a person. Y'all see that? Now, here are the things that align my goals to get this vision. The first thing I said, I was going to tie 10% of my income to God. Now, I don't tell people to do that because that has to be something you decide to do. And you can't do it really just to receive something. I do it because I feel it's in God's word and it shows gratitude. Listen, I really believe that everything I have is God. I mean, I have no real attachment to anything that I have. It's almost like I believe that I'm a steward over God's stuff than it is my stuff. So when I think like that, I understand that if everything is God, then God said, this is mine, and I'm going to allow you to have reign over all my stuff, 100%. 
All I ask you to do is, hey, give me 10% back just to show you thank So how would you feel if you gave somebody a brand new car? And all you ask is, one day out of 10, I just need you to come by, take me to the store. Every 10th day, just stop by here and they don't come. And like I said, I'm not going to say what is the punishment, but I just know how I would feel. The next thing is to spend three hours a week of uninterrupted time with my family, no distractions. Now, I didn't really have to do this when my kids were young because I was spending a lot more than three hours a week, but distractions are a problem right now with phones. And I think it takes away with the connection of family. So I put that in just for today. The next thing is to invest 10% of my income in my 401k. That is the minimum. But that shows a diligence in saving and now getting your money to work for you. You have to learn that in this process, either you're going to direct your money or your money is going to direct you. And that's pretty bad when you are having to be directed by your money, when it's something you should control. Your money is controlling you. You don't got yourself in debt. So that, everybody seen this tag, I owe, I owe. So off to work I go, right? Everybody seen it, right? That's not new. <laughs> the next one was to save $20,000 for a down payment on a house. You need to have the ability to purchase things and have something to go towards you being debt free. The no money down, the not being able to be patient and save money, you lose the discipline of how to manage money. Patience is the most important thing about managing money. It's, the, it's, it's when we teach our kids instant gratification when they get messed up on money. If I got to have it right now. I got to be the first. And to me, I've always felt that you were really a sucker when you bought something the first time it came out because there are always bugs in it. I'd rather wait until they get all the bugs out anyway and get it when it's right. But that is the patience I have because I'm not really being controlled by the stuff. I may like it, but I'm like, I'm cool, you know, and I can wait. Patience is something that you really have to have when it comes to money. The next thing was you have to go beyond the norm. You have to be uncomfortable. And so I put in this part about to work overtime at least six days per month in 2020. Listen, if you have dug a hole, you can't expect to get out of that hole by, by at the same pace. You got to start climbing and you have to use some extra effort. You can't compare yourself. You can't think like I can keep doing the same thing. You have to do something different to get a different result. And the last thing I had is to get out of credit card debt and you put a date by it. Now, let me explain something to you. Debt is the biggest hindrance to acquiring wealth. You know why? Because in most cases, there's not a lot of things you can invest in that's going to appreciate faster than the debt you're paying to banks and credit cards. So you should actually hate debt. I mean, that's the only time God in the Bible allowed a person to be enslaved when he owed money. And it's not the slavery that black folks experienced because it was a lot different. But it was a choice because when you go to borrow money, you are putting your character on the line. Because you promise to pay it back. I don't care if it's a credit card, Bank of America, I don't care who it is. When you sign it, you say, I will pay this money back. And the thing I realized when I thought about this during this class is that the reason why our words and vision are so important. Every time there is an agreement we have with God, he makes us make a commitment of what we going to do whether it's marriage, whether it's salvation, <laughs> and the same thing with your money. This is how you get your alignment with God. This is the obedience. And like I said, you can't buy favor. I, I'm not righteous. I'm not to the point where I'm perfect. I know I got a lot of flaws. But the one thing I try to do is always listen to myself and not ever lie to myself. I'm not going to pretend that, hey, I really want to be debt free when all I think about is what I can buy. I'm not going to pretend. And it took an experience for me of having lost 
to understand how unimportant stuff is. It was before I could buy what I want. And that's what we have to get to because right now we are always bombarded with marketing. And if you don't get this attitude together, you're not going to see a difference. Now, here's a great part about this. When you're young, the best thing you have on your side is time, just from the beginning. And the great thing about it is it doesn't have to be a huge hurt to you when you're young because you can start young and you have more time to be consistent. So you could do a smaller amount. But when you've got older, you have a shorter period of time that you need your investment to grow. Now you got to take more risk. Now you got to maybe save more. Now you got to live at a different rate. It's just like studying for school. If you mess around and play all semester and then get an F, it used to be a time you had to go to summer school. So everybody else is out having the summer and the time of their lives. You in school working. That's the same thing it is with money. And here's another thing. If you decide now to make a commitment and do the best you can, you never know how it's going to go. The one thing you can be happy about is that you started to turn your ship around. God who gives the increase. It's not, it's not us. It's not our own might. God gives the increase. But you have to be doing it not because you want the increase. You got to be doing it because you know it's right and it's pleasing to God. That's the attitude. So I put this vision up because everybody, if you don't know what you want, I don't know if this class is going to help you. It's not going to come just by osmosis. Look, stuff happens that you can't explain. But in my case, I always like to start with what I want. Like, you can ask me what I want to eat. And if you don't have a good recommendation, I can figure out what I want. I don't know why it's a hard thing. In my house, that's the biggest question. What you want? I said, well, I'm going to get something to eat. And I said, you know what you want? No, okay. Well, I'm going here. <laughs> and here's another thing. So understand this. And this is something I learned about golf. This is a good example. I did not realize that the brain does not really understand not of what I don't want to do. And I was taking a lesson, and the guy was saying that the brain does not understand what you don't want to happen. So in golf, you can be in a situation where you got wood on one side and you got woods on the other side. Hey, do you know, if you get up there and you say, don't want to go in the water, I don't want to go in the water, or I don't want to go in the woods, nine times out of ten, even if you're playing great, you're going to go in the water or the woods. You know what you have to say? I want to go right down the middle. That's all you have to think of. You have to think about putting the ball right down the middle. And that's what I want you all to do with these visions, okay? Go to slide three. So we know what we want, right? Okay? And when we think about our finances, your finances are really just a journey, okay? So when you know what you want or when you know where you want to go, what's the second thing you need to know? Huh? How to get there? Well, how can you get if you don't know where you are? How can you get to the place when you don't know where you are? The second thing you have to know is, where am I? The second thing you need to know if you go on a journey, where am I starting from? Where am I? If you didn't know you were at Ark of Salvation and we didn't have navigation, you cannot get to Greenbrier Mall. You can't get anywhere. So what's the starting point in a financial journey? It's a financial statement. This is an example of a financial statement. I was going to have a little point. But basically what it does, this is what you should always monitor to determine where you are with your finances. Because let's just say you got a lump sum of money, right? And you able to pay all your bills off, right? And you really now got an easy budget because you don't owe anybody anything. But you are not watching your money. And you start spending money, right? And what a financial statement has, it has your assets, which are things that you own, and your liabilities. In this case, we're going to keep it simple because it's not business. It's the things or what you owe, what you owe. So if you started with a lump sum of money and you said, man, I don't have any bills and I'm just spending, spending, spending. And I'm not watching my financial statement. And you start spending money, buying stuff, and your assets are slowly diminishing. And then you wake up and you 
right back in the same place. You always need to look at your financial statement to see where you are. If you started with a net worth of, say, $50,000, and you say, okay, I want to keep this or grow it, you should look at this statement because your asset minus your liability should always be $50,000 or more. That's why you see athletes, celebrities go broke. They're not watching this. They know they made $300 million. I can't spend that. That's like going three, two ninety. <laughs> so this is the second thing we have to have is a financial statement. And this is what now, first thing I told you to do, a vision. Second thing I told you to do was to monitor your spending. By a show of hands, how many people track their spending? Okay, great. That's a good class. Okay. If you track your spending in one month, you should be able to go here and just fill this out for the month. Okay? Just fill out your cash, what you have on hand, and just get a point of reference right now. Because you need this to understand as we go on this journey, we got to know where we started from. And as long as you're seeing improvement, meaning if you find out you're upside down with debt, then you're going to probably have a negative asset value. I mean, you're going to be worthless, you know. Donald Trump said one time he was with his daughter and they was walking into their big towers and he passed a homeless man. And Donald Trump said to her daughter, you know, that guy's better off than I am. He said, you know, at that time he was hundreds of millions of dollars in debt. He said, this guy don't have anything. He said, but I'm three or four hundred million dollars in debt. Everybody know basic algebra, right? Well, you're a negative 300 million and somebody's zero, they're richer than you. <laughs> they are. You may have stuff, but it's just a matter of time. If he was forced, if it was a biblical time and you didn't have bankruptcy, he would be a slave. So debt has to be. So this is the second part of our journey. You need to make sure, and you can go online. All this stuff now, I used to bring all these different papers, but now you can go Google and just put in financial statement, or you can, if you got the apps, they should have them on all the apps, and you need to do a financial statement, okay? So this is going to be your homework for next month to create a financial statement. Now, part two, all the people who are trying to be in the top three of the class, I'm going to need those, do a screenshot of tracking your expenses. You're not trying to be in the top three? You know, hey. <laughs> They asked me to figure out the top three, so that's what I'm going to do. It's action, right? So now, we have what we want. We have where we are. Now, what is the next thing you need? You need to know how you're going to get there. Now, before you had Google and Waze, what did we use for we to know how to get somewhere? There you go. Hey, I was trying to see. I was talking to a lot of, they're not millennials. They're younger than millennials. What do you call when you're younger than millennials? Gen Z's, right. You've never seen a map, right? Has Gen Z, have you ever seen a rallies map, Gen Z? Anybody? Yeah, I had plenty of rallies map. It made me feel old, but you need a map. So what is a financial roadmap? A financial roadmap is a budget. A budget tells you the flows of your money. It allows you to direct your money. And when people do a budget, they think that, you know, their budget is going to create money. Now, there are three components you have to have to really have a real budget. First, you have to have income. And to be honest with you, I have found that you are really supposed to base your budget off your income. Now, we're going to go over how you determine what you can afford. And those are guidelines within the budget. But most people don't base their budget off of their income. They base their budget off what people tell them they can afford. Like, if you go buy a house, the bank is in the business to do what? What's the business of the bank? Who said, get your money? They don't get it, but what's that business? Make loans. Make loans. My job is to make a loan. What am I going to try to do? I'm going to try to loan you. If I feel like I can get my money back, I'm going to try to loan you as much money as you can. And a bank will tell you that you can afford a home, a mortgage, up to 30% of your gross. 
and they will loan it to you. But believe me, you're going to be on heavy constraints. Your mortgage should be based off 25% of your take-home. That's what you really can afford. And we're going to go over You have to write down. I'm going to go over every step. But the budget is the roadmap. The budget is the roadmap. And the budget is one of the most important tools to keep you on a consistent day-to-day observation of your roadmap. Your financial statement, you can do that twice a year or annually. You don't have to do that every month. But your budget, you should check it every month. You should be reconciling your checkbook and you should be checking your budget. Now, let me ask this question. How many people were surprised when they tracked their expenses? Now, raise those hands high. Right. You see how the little nickel and dimes will add up? But guess what? It adds up the same way when you're saving it. When you control it, you have more opportunity to grow your money faster. And let me say this also. You know, we always chasing opportunities. But if you have money, there are always opportunities. You should never get to a point where you are upset because you missed the opportunity when you had the money. If you didn't know or you were a little nervous, always trust your instincts and always understand the risk. When we get into investing, investing is managing risk. That's what investing is. It's not, you know, the marketing thing. I don't care what it is. You got to manage risk. But with your budget, you need to understand and, and direct your money. So go to the next slide for me. So what side of the budget do we think is the hardest side for us to maintain? You think of the income side? Are we staying up at night thinking about how we can make more money just because we want to make more money? Or are we thinking about how we can make more money because we want to get something? Be honest because you're in church. One or two. Okay, okay. Because you want to get something, right? That's what we talk. The first thing I'd like for you to do in this exercise is to stand in front of a mirror, just you and that person on the other side of that piece of glass, and I want you to start being honest with yourself. Because what I talk about is the emotion behind why do you do things with your money. Now, if you have your savings in order, if you have your debt, you don't owe anybody, then by all means, this is not really, I mean, it's for you to keep that in your life, to keep your situation that way. But this is not what I'm talking about when you have to be conscious. You have to be conscious somewhat, but you can get away with a lot more. Because when you do the budget, you will see, when we start talking about guidelines, you will see where there are certain percentages that we call needs. And there's another percentage that we call wants. And there's another percentage that we call savings and debt reduction. So those are the three parts. And your needs are something that you have to take care of. We all need what? Somebody said water. <laughs> you do need water. What are we going to say? Food? Uh-huh. And clothing. Those are your basic needs, right? I mean, we went into anarchy. If you can get some food and some shelter and some clothing, you're going to be all right. Because money is not going to be an issue then, right? So that's neat. But we're going to expand upon that. But when you get to really why you're buying something, you have to look in the mirror and ask yourself, what is the driving force behind my purchasing? I'm going to tell you, when I was young, the driving force behind my purchasing was girls. I mean, if you roll up in a nice car, you don't have to talk as hard. You have to ask the women... And I found if you can afford to feed a young lady, they like you a little more. I don't know what it is. A meal go a long way. My point is that my motivation when I was younger was girls. That was the honest truth. Ain't nothing wrong with it. It's true. Now, if I'm still that way 40 years later, I can be in a lot of trouble. You know, but that's a part of the childish attitude. But you have people who are grown older than me who still are motivated by the same thing. Not because you don't have the urges, or not because you don't see, it's not appealing to you. You understand the cost. And what I want you to understand is that you have to always be able to calculate the cost of the consequences of your actions. 
And what I want to tell you without a budget is that you can make any amount of money and go broke. If you don't watch your money, you can make any amount of money and go broke. There's no real amount of money that you can make that you can never spend if you have that mentality. That's why you don't see, like, let's take Bill Gates. Or let's take Sam Walton. They don't just go and just say, hey, let me just get everybody up and give. They, don't, they, have, they, they can give a lot, but it's still a percentage of what they have. The more money you have, the more you should watch your money. You know, it's just like you're a bigger dog, the more fleas you're going to get on you. So the more money you have, you better watch your money because you can go broke. But even when you don't have money, you got to watch your money because you can then be dead. You can be homeless and nothing to eat. So that situation is never going to change. It's just going to shift. Your problems won't solve with more money. Your problems are solved with your stewardship of money. Everybody repeat that. Yes. See, most people say, man, you're crazy. If I had more money right now, my problem would be solved. <laughs> <laughs> well, ask Robin Williams why his problems weren't solved. He committed suicide with $50 million in the bank. How many of y'all ready to commit suicide? I tell you, understand the stewardship. So the exercise I want you to do, I want you to be honest and think about your purchase. Think about whatever it is that you have an uncontrollable urge to buy something. Now, if you don't have this problem, that's not a problem. But if you're saying, man, I look at my budget, and it's going to be hard. It's going to be tight. If the feeling of being free it's not overwhelming the feeling of the tightness you're going to feel, then you're not being honest with yourself. It's just like when people enslaved. You know, when they freed the slaves in America, they gave them nothing. They walked out with nowhere to stay, but it was better being a slave. They had nowhere to go, nothing. You know, last you start reading the history and understanding, it's teaching school, but they had nothing, no rights, nowhere to go. And a lot of them were forced to go back to the plantation. And that's what we're doing when we don't understand. We got to get in control of our finances today. And allow God to cause the increase because we are being obedient and stewards. Okay? So the budget are two sides of the budget. Okay? I had a little point and I left it. Okay, so on the top, you see your assets or your cash and all your income. So your income is the first thing that you put down. And I like to tell you when you do your budget, use take home. Do not use gross. Now, we're going to talk about how to fix a bad budget because in the event you are getting a lot of income tax back, like, if you're getting over $1,000 worth of income tax, like if you're waiting on a tax man, you're getting five $6,000, you are mismanaging your money. How many people knew that? Got two people that knew they were mismanaging. Yeah. You know what you're doing? When you get a refund for $5,000, if you're not in business and you're working, if you lost a lot of money, like Donald Trump, he had to pay no tax because he had a lot of losses. But if you didn't lose money and you're working and you have ordinary income, you just gave Uncle Sam a year to hold your money. And you got paid nothing. You should never get a refund over $1,000. You should always make sure. If you get it one time, you should adjust your dependents and get it down. Uh, hopefully, you are participating in your 401k. But that's going to be a part. But those are things that allow you to get the most out of your money and decrease your tax liability. So on top, you have the income. On the bottom, you have the expenses. So your expenses are broken up in category, right? So I talked about earlier that there are basic categories when it comes to your budget. Needs. And there's a 50, 30, 20 rule that they use just to give you a feel for your needs. And they tell you 50% of your income should take care of all of your needs. And what are your needs? In this case, housing, food, transportation, insurance. Why insurance? Because you need insurance. You need to protect the stuff that you own. You need to protect your house. And if you have an apartment, renter's insurance. Utilities. Utilities at a minimum, meaning your cell phone is not a utility that's necessary unless it's a part of how you make your money. You can have a cell phone for emergencies, but it's not a necessity. 
You can get one of those pay phones where you can budget them out. Now, I know you're going to get, you know, you're not going to have a lot of swag. You pull out a... <laughs> but hey, listen, I told a story. It's amazing when you are focused on your goal and how the universe will line up with it. The one person you want to attract, because most people who laugh at you or most people who you're trying to impress, they really don't care about you. You know, you really should focus on a person that you really want to impress. And it'd be amazing if you had a phone because you were managing and being a great steward and you saw this nice guy or this, this beautiful girl and they found out you had this phone because you were managing your money. And that guy said, man, that's what I've been looking for. I've been looking for a lady who could manage money. Everybody I talk to spend money. That's how God works. That's how you align yourself with God and put yourself in position for a blessing. So the needs are utilities. Now, they have minimum debt payment because in all actuality, if you're in a goal of getting out of debt, you will have minimum payments that you will make because we're going to do the snowball. We talked about, I like this day Rams that we did. It's a snowball uh, debt relief, and we'll talk about that. But those are your child care or anything else that you need to be able to employ. Those are needs. If you need to have your child in child care so you can work, that's a need. Now, what are your wants? Your wants are monthly subscriptions, eating out. How many people know that eating out is way more expensive than cooking at home? I want to make sure, because I, I want to make sure the women know that, because I'm just joking. <laughs> don't, don't be waiting on me out there. <laughs> but meals out, travel, and entertainment, those are wants. Now, savings and debt are the last 20%. So you have 30% in wants and 20% in saving and debt reduction. Now, you can always substitute and move more from wants to savings and debt reduction or you can move wants to needs you know you might say well i gotta make a sacrifice because you know i need to be able to put my child in child care but i'm at 50 percent. so these are not extra stone but if you pull from one category to the other you have to make the adjustment you cannot pull 10 percent out of wants and put it into savings and then you're gonna still be at 30 percent in wants if you pull 20 percent out of wants now you're at i mean 10 percent out of wants now you're at 20 percent in wants and 30 percent in savings Understand? So that's a general rule of the three categories. Now, what are the line items? So the way I look at it is, you can go to the next budget guideline. Okay, so giving is first. And what I put giving is in there, it's a universal rule about giving. And I talk about it when, if you try to take a quarter, and you get to a point where you're like Scrooge. You know, you can, but if you take a quarter, and you're putting your hand so tight, and you hold a quarter, but if I had a dollar, and this is the only hand you had, and I try to stick it in there, you have to release the quarter to get the dollar. So giving is a part of the ebb and flow of how money is received. So giving, and I put 10% because my philosophy is I'm going to make sure I tithe. Remember, that's, the way I look at it is it's my gratitude to God for allowing me to be steward of 100% that really is. Also, generosity sometimes will take the focus off of you and allow you not to feel so bad about your situation. You can help somebody else. It's an interesting effect when you can start understanding that you think you're in the worst shape until you find somebody, you know, I cried and cried when I had no shoes till I saw somebody who had no feet. It's the same thing. So I don't tell you to give. I'm not talking about money coming stuff. I'm talking about when you actually give and you're led to give even when you are in debt. So my thing is, is that I can pretty much rest assured that you were not tithing when you were going in debt. So now you're in debt, you know, you might want to try tithing, but you have to budget it. You understand? The next thing is savings. Now, this is really important because... In this life, you're always going to have uncertainties. Things are going to happen. And the reason why you have to have an emergency fund is because 
in the savings because if you're investing and your money is designed to work for you, if you are buying stocks and you buy stocks and it just so happens that an emergency happens when the stocks are low and you have to sell, you lose money. You do not lose money in the stock market until you sell. You know, a lot of people sold a lot of their stocks back in March. The pandemic, they thought, man, this was it. The world's going to end. And I had several advisors tell me some people took all their money out at the bottom. Now, they come back in, they get back. That money is worth less because now the market is up. So you never can time the market. What you want to do in the whole understanding about investing in the stock market is you are buying the industry. You're buying the company. It's just like if you started a company and you had a great concept and, you know, you had something to happen and just so happened your company went through a little bad spell. You wouldn't necessarily sell your company because it went through a bad spell. You keep working. So if you see a company that goes down, the stock market is emotional. It is not solely on the value of the company. It's the value of what people want to pay, just like everything else. I mean, if I got on a jacket and I paid $100 for it, and you say, hey, man, I'll give you $150. The value of that jacket just went up to $150. Now, somebody else would say, I'll give you $200. But it's still the jacket I paid $100 for. Now, if I sell it, I can make $200. But if I don't sell it, I still got the $100. Now, if it dropped in value, man, I will give you $50 for that jacket. Again, if I sell it, it's still the $100 I paid for it. It's only if I don't sell it. But it's only when you sell, you lose money. So savings, we first start by saving an emergency fund before we start investing. That's the first thing we do. The second thing we do is get out of debt. Because we're in a transformational economy. There's a lot of things happening. But I'm going to tell you, it's hard to pick stocks. It takes a great genius and a great person of awareness and a person who really is what I call in tune immediately. And some people got that talent. I mean, Pastor James is very good at that. He's done it several times. That's not really my gift. But I do understand the situation. So I can start researching. But I'm invested. Well, I invest in quality. My problem is I'm managing risk. But there still can be a chance I can take risk with a small amount of money. But again, that's just the position you're in when you have money. So we save $1,000 and get our emergency fund. Then we get out of debt. Okay? Once we get out of debt, and the debt I'm talking about is not your house, but more your credit cards, your student loans, and things like that. And we're going to talk about the snowball debt relief. And then what you do, once you have your $1,000 and you've managed to pay off all your credit cards, then you start saving for three to six months. And once you get three months, now you can start investing. Because now you're fine if another pandemic comes. Think about the people who didn't have any savings and the pandemic came and the market was down and they had to sell their stock. This was a perfect example where you really wanted to have savings, right? Okay. The next line item is food. Now this is real tricky here. Because we know we are eating society. <laughs> now, really, listen, to be honest with you, this is a great excuse to get in shape. Because I'm going to tell you, if you eat healthy, it's expensive in some ways, but it's not expensive if you eat out. So, you know, my thing is that I remember my mother used to do this as a therapeutic. Was she, had a, she had a garden. And I remember after she would work, she would come home and she would go work in her garden. And then halfway through the summer, she had all kind of okra and, and tomatoes and squash and all this. If you're really serious about it, you start a garden. You start eating at home. You start clipping coupons. You start shopping and understanding the sales cycles. You are just as intentional when you're spending every dollar. I know I had a friend I was helping out, and he's a single guy. And he was single, got his house paid for, everything. He made $50,000 a year, and he had no money. And we looked at his budget, and $50,000 a year, you're taking home about 
you know, $3,500, $3,000 a month. But he was spending almost $1,800 in food. And he wasn't even high. You know, he go to Cracker Barrel every morning. Then he get a lunch at Dugan's. Then he get a dinner somewhere. He was spend $50, $60. And if you do $60 times 30, that's $1,800. So the first thing you need to understand about food is cheaper to cook at home. It's much cheaper if you cook a lot more vegetables and beans and or legumes and vegetables than it is for you eating a lot of meat, which ain't good for you no way. Some meat is good, but not a lot. And you'll start seeing the results physically. So food, you eat at home, stop restaurants, grocery shop, go to the farmer's market, go where the food is. You might have to drive out there, but go out there once a week and load up. Freeze your vegetables. It's better than eating the stuff you buy out of McDonald's. I can tell you that. I can tell you the french fries at McDonald's are frozen. So I act like you can't freeze no vegetables. You don't probably eat that, right? Utilities. Again, this is the part when you are, this all depends on your situation. Utilities, you might have to have a coat on. I heard Dave Chappelle said, you know, he didn't realize he was important until he went to a, a schoolmate. And he walked in the house and they didn't have coats on inside. Now his parents was really watching utilities. But the number one utility that we spend most of our money on is a cell phone. We think it's a utility. But the utility I'm talking about is heat, water, electricity. So the cell phone is crucial, man. I mean, people cut their eyes. I mean, people love these cell phones. And they are working 24 hours to make you more and more addicted to it. Now, you can act like you don't understand the game and just fall for it. But at a certain point, you got to say, I want to control me. I'm not going to let somebody else control me. Okay? The next thing on there is housing. Now, that's the part I was telling you about, your housing. So what's included in housing? HOA fees, PMI, which is principal mortgage insurance. You have to understand that if you're spending more than 25% of your take-home pay in your housing, you are overpaying. Now, if your car is paid for and you have nothing on that line outside of repairs, we're going to talk about all, and transportation because you do have to factor in your repairs. But your repairs of your car should also fall when we get to that of what that is. But your housing is one of the one things that people look at as an asset. But your house is really a liability until you own it. Now, I really believe your house is a liability until it's making money. Like it's a rental property. Now, it's an asset. But it's an asset truly because you can sell it and you can get your money for it. And you, sometimes you get more than you pay for it. But it's a liability because you got to make a note every month, a mortgage payment. So cash is coming out. You understand? So your goal is, and think about this for retirement. Think about the fact that if you're at retirement, your house is paid for, you can automatically knock 25% off what you need to live off of because now your house is paid for. That drops to maybe 10. You got to pay the taxes on it. So even once you get to the point where you paid off all your, what I call consumer debt, you want to pay that house off. You want to escalate. Even though the interest is not, you want to pay that house off. You want to be completely debt free. Then you can escalate your savings. The next line item is transportation. And this is one thing where I know people are like, what kind of car can I buy at 5% to 10% of my, my take-home pay? That's the car you can afford. <laughs> <laughs> and see, that's the marketing. Marketing tells us, just like with me, you know, at a certain point I didn't realize the car really didn't matter. I want y'all to know that. <laughs> I did, though. I did. I mean, really, I realized that once I felt so stupid about putting all that money in the car, I couldn't get out of it. I realized that because when I sold a car, I got nothing of value for all that money I put in. But that's a learn. Listen, it's not, it's not a sin. It's not, it's not what I call stupid to make a mistake once. Stupidity is you keep doing it over and over again. <laughs> you stupid. You know, you got Now, if I could afford, I mean, to be honest with you, that's why certain cars, I, can't, I can afford a car I want. But I can't buy certain cars because I just can't see the value in it. I can't see getting a car I can't drive. 
And some cars you buy, they're the most expensive car, you can't put on 5,000 miles on them. So y'all see these people riding around these Rolls Royces and Ferraris? They paying three or $400,000 for a car. They can't put 5,000 miles on it. And when they sell it, they're going to lose half their money. So why are they buying the car? See what I'm saying? So it's not the amount of money. They're doing the same thing a person doing a car or a person going buy a pair of Jordans for their baby when they're going to have milk money. It's the same mentality. It is. There's something in your emotional state that makes you feel worthless without the stuff. It increases your personal value because you got something that somebody made. I hope y'all understand it because I want y'all, when we get to the part about investing, I think everybody should be revved up not to want to spend money until they have that money working for them and they're growing it on their financial journey. I'm not saying once you get everything right, you got to be the Scrooge, but let me tell you this. There's a freedom to want what you have. There's a freedom and contentment. See, I showed a picture of the lady who gave away $150,000. Now, unless you've given $150,000 to a college, she's richer than you. And she was able to give $150,000 to college, and she gave another $100,000 to her family. When you read the whole story, and she never made over minimum wage. Health. Now, your health is important, because that's part of what you need. Now, your health starts with you taking care of your body. So if you got on the right grocery list and a healthy grocery list, then this won't be a huge expense. But you got, again, that's 5 to 10%. You make a budget for that because that is something you need to have. But it really pays if you take care of yourself. If you exercise, eat right, get rest, and don't get upset. I got a rule about getting upset. I don't really get mad unless I need adrenaline to fight. That's the rule I made. <laughs> I did. I mean, I made it about five years ago. I said, listen, I ain't going to get mad because I like to give a little joke. But I remember... The thing that was most just hit me with a ton of bricks. I got a daughter, right? And at this time, she was in high school. But it was a viral video that went on where some little girl had brought her dad to school, right? And the little boy was throwing french fries at the daughter. And so the dad going to take him outside and going to, you know, rough the little boy up. That little boy knocked that daddy out. And, he... <laughs> and that dude was down on the floor. He was knocked out so bad, one of his legs was stuck in the air. That just happened. And the girl go, you knocked my daddy out. And at that point, I was like, man, I'm going to work out. I think I'm knocking me out. Because <laughs> everybody got cameras now. You get knocked out of school. So my daughter's in school. I said, shoot, I got to be ready to move. So I started taking care of my body. And I'm 100% serious because my son came home one day and he had been working out. And we used to tussle, right? And when he was a little boy, I used to toss him up. And man, I was struggling with that rascal too. And I wasn't getting no grip and he was about to embarrass me. So your health, if you pay attention to your health, <laughs> There's benefits to that. There are benefits. I'm telling you, I bring my class reunion picture up here. Man, people not, listen, when you get over 50, man, it makes a huge difference. You want to wish you had been doing what you're supposed to do. Okay, the next thing is insurance. Now, this is not fun to talk about, but it's needed. Listen, you need insurance. You need insurance of your property. If you have a family and you have loved ones and you are married, you need to have insurance for your spouse. Now, you got to marry right. I know we all look at those TV shows when people be killing their spouse over $100,000. <laughs> you got a man right. Y'all seen it. I'm like, damn, $100,000? Just kill that dude just quick. <laughs> but your insurance, you need to insure your stuff because that will protect the uncertainty. There's nothing worse when you have people, you know, in an apartment, and the apartment catch on fire, they have no renter's insurance. Or you're in a home, and your home burned down, no insurance. Okay, so insurance is a necessity to allow you not to have huge needs for cash because an uncertainty happens. Okay, next one is recreation spend. These are all wants. Now, I know some people got gym memberships and all that, but I'm going to tell you, 
You can do more if you start walking 35 minutes, a brisk walk, and even an hour than you can going to the gym. So if you got a cut, that means you don't have to exercise. Push-ups, burpees, and walking will get you pretty much all your muscles work. And you throw in sit-ups, then you get the abs. So you don't need a gym membership from that. You can do that outside. You can do it at a park. But recreational things, you know, should be at 5 to 10%. Personal spending. Personal spending are things that you do within the 5%. If you're in a budget, you don't want to get to the point where, especially if you're married, where you're so tight and so focused that you don't allow a person to have any leverage. Because sometimes it's going to be sort of like culture shock to some people to get on a tight budget. You know, if you're married to a young lady and her dad gave her everything she wanted, it's going to be culture shock. But here's the key. You get your significant other, your spouse, to buy into the goal. And if you're consistent, they will be consistent. And you hold everybody accountable. And you hopefully have a person who says, this is what I'm going to do. And they have the character to do it. That's more valuable in a relationship. And it's more valuable to yourself. If you ain't going to do something, just say you're not going to do it. I mean, that's who I am. I'm like, look, you know... At this point, I'm like, I'm not going to do that. Now, if it's something I need to do, then I got to be in my budget to pay somebody to do it. Like, in my house, we all make agreements. Like, we got a little small dog. And I got a problem picking up doo-doo. I cannot. I mean, I didn't do a lot of changing diapers, to be honest. That's a weakness of mine. I'm sorry. Hey. So, I'm the garbage man. I take the garbage out. I pull it up. Take it out. I pull it up. But I don't pick up no doo-doo. And I pick up the bugs. So, I get the bugs. So, if you compromise with a person, they're not upset. So when I come home and there's a little gift there, I always yell, clean up on aisle nine. (laughs) 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 So lifestyle, entertainment, all that stuff is in the recreation and personal spending. But either one is still needs to be within five to 10 percent. So you also have your emergency fund. But if you're out of debt. If you're out of debt and you're doing this budget, because if you're in debt, and especially when I'm talking about the debt, I'm talking about is credit cards, student loans, those debt, not your house, everything except your house. All that other stuff you want to minimize. You want to be on the low end of that percentage. You want to be 5% on recreation, 5% on personal spending, 5% on uh, to zero. And you want to put as much money as you can to get out of debt. Because once you pay those credit cards off, you will see how your money's going to free up. And how do we pay it off? We'll talk about that. But you take the lowest balance and you start paying it off first. You pay the minimum on everybody. That's a snowball effect. You pay the minimum on all the other debts, and you take the lowest balance. If you got something for $500, you take that, and you push all the extra money to get that $500 balance off. And once you get there as soon as you can, then you go to the next, and you push all the extra money to that. Now, it gives you a sense of achievement, and you can see your debt going away. But you don't necessarily, I don't recommend consolidation, because there's a sort of a unhealthy comfort that comes when people think they got one note. You would think they would take all the extra money and pay that consolidated loan off faster. That's not what happens. You know what happens? They take that extra money and go in more debt. And then they oh, my Lord, that's what happened. You know, so even when people was taking equity out of their home in the first home uh, bubble in 2006 and seven, that's what they were doing. Now, your debt is your biggest hindrance to you becoming financially independent. Besides you manage your money. But I'm saying that line item. If you can get down to where you only have a house note, and once you get that paid off, you can now have the freedom that you're asking for where you can direct your money and you can keep it. But all these tools I've given you are really important. The financial statement is important. The budget is important. So this is what everybody's going to do for the next class. We're going to take our monitoring of our expenses and we're going to create a budget. 
And the budget is you're going to put the priorities based on needs. And where there are things that you can cut in your needs, you're going to do that. Meaning if you can get your electric bill down and wear a jacket and some warm-ups in your house, do it. <laughs> if you're married, you just cut up more. Y'all just stay, y'all sit close together. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but look at all the line items. And even if you can save 10%, if you find a 10% saving across the board, then when you look at your income, so let's say you bring home $4,500 a month. If you're able to save 10% across the board, you're not going to be able to save on your mortgage. That's going to be fixed. But everywhere else, maybe your car, if you got a car note. But if you can save 10% on your travel and gas, you know, you get a friend, y'all carpool. Gas is so cheap now. But whatever you can find, when you look at your budget, if you save 10% across the board, you would then save $450. Now, if you stop doing things like eating out, you're going to save a whole lot more. You start brown bagging it, you know, taking your lunch. Listen, that lunch hour, now, most people work at, living at home, so your takeout should be down. But eating out is one of the biggest expenses past people making bad decisions on cars and overpaying them for a house and clothes. Now, I know with ladies, clothes is a big deal. Most guys, before they get married, they ain't got but like three or four pair of pants. <laughs> you know? But again, you got to reach your goal. And once you reach your goal, your freedom will be there. But here's the thing. Once you reach your goal, your contentment will turn to something different. And it won't be that same pull on you to buy the stuff. It's not going to be sad. It's like liberating. You know, it's crazy, you know, because my cars are five years old. All my cars are four and five years old. That's crazy. That don't sound anything to some people. But some people who know my situation, they say, man, you crazy. You know, around four, five-year-old car. <laughs> I had one friend that got mad at me. Man, what you doing at work? <laughs> I just wanted to curse me out. So remember, so assignment four is to do your budget, okay? And we're going to start talking about understanding investment on the next class. But we're going to do our budget, and we're going to do what's called fix a sick budget. Now, I didn't talk much about this because I wanted to get the stewardship. But in some cases, when you do your budget, if you have income problems, you got to make more money. If you find that your bulk of your budget is being consuming just your needs, if you don't have any debt, then you got to earn more money. Or you got to change your lifestyle. Now, if you don't have a house note, then... You got to earn more money. If you have no credit card debt, no house though, and your money is at a point where you can barely make it, you got to earn more money. Now, here's the good news. There are so many opportunities of in-home jobs now. Anybody here has a business that work running out of their home, like customer service? You got one person. Yeah, two. You know, there are jobs, customer service, and things like that. And I'm going to research some of that, but you can research it. I mean, you can talk to friends. But there are things that you, if you have a talent, you have to find a way to monetize your talent. So... Do the budget, and we're going to kill the sick budget. We're going to talk about those line items a little bit more, but then we're going to get into investing one-on-one. Now, did everybody understand everything about the vision? And you also are supposed to bring your financial statement. So you can go online. If you have those apps, a lot of those apps will automatically pull the financial statement if you input the information. But that's really key because that's going to show you your movement. Any questions? Say it again. Oh, I'm sorry. I said three things to a budget. Okay. So it's income expenses, and you always put your actual income, expenses, and your actual. So here's the way it looks. Can you put that budget back on there? Thank you. I kind of got off track. Put the budget back on there, that budget sheet. When you have a budget, you have your expenses, right? You have your income. Your budgeted items are what you decide you're going to spend on every category. That's your budgeted items. So let's just say your house note is $1,000. Not going to change. That's what you're going to budget, right? And then you say, my utilities last month were $100. Now, 
You say, well, I'm going to try to get down to 90. I'm going to cut the temperature down, and you're going to budget $90. Let's say if your car note is going to be fixed, but if your car note is more than the 10% allowed for car notes for transportation, you're spending more than 10%, depending on how deep your hole, nothing is safe. You may have to sell your car and get a bucket to drive. That's what Dave Ramsey, he called it, hoopty. You want to get a reliable car because sometimes we overspend on cars. If you're riding a Lexus paying $1,600 or $600 or $700 a month and you are upside down on your budget, you may have to go to a $300 a month car. But guess what? If you do that and you're able to get your fines, you can go back and buy what you want. And you should be paying cash for a car. And here's another thing I heard. I heard I had a young lady in my job tell me how her friend told her she don't care about how much the car costs. She makes a good living. She don't even negotiate. She don't even ask. She just wants a car note. The worst thing you can do is not look at your statement and see what you're paying for the car. Never negotiate a car based on a car note. You negotiate the cost of the car based on what you're paying for, including interest. Everything on the car is negotiable. But if you're upside down and you're able to sell the car, if you're too upside down, sometimes you just got to wait it out. But if you're not upside down and you can sell the car, then it's better for you to sell it and get something more affordable. Okay? So those are the three things. Income, expenses, and the actual amount. You got the budget amount and the actual amount. You have to put the actual amount every time you line your budget at the end of the month. So whatever you budget is what your plan is. Your budgeted amount is your direction. That's you telling your child, which is your daughter, your daughter, go over there and sit down. Now, if you don't budget, your child is running around. That's your money. Just running around, tearing up everything. <laughs> you want to direct your money. Any questions on that? Any questions? The budget amount is what you're directing your money to spend for that month. And we're going to do it every month. And we're going to watch. We're going to watch our tracking because we have everything on our different apps. And you track and see what you're doing. If you saw you spend a lot of money at the Quick Trip or you spend a lot of money at Starbucks, hey, you better get some Maxwell House. You go from $4 to $0.25 cent a cup. Any other questions? Any other questions? All right, then. Well, we went 18 minutes over, but it's all right. Now, I want everybody to make sure they got the assignment and make sure you have everything to me by 12 midnight because you should have had it. So I'm going to give you to go home and email it. And the email again is arcrendermymoney at gmail.com. Your church. Render my money, the class you're in, gmail.com. All right, thank you. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was session two of the Render My Money 2021 series by Gerald Render. This message is number 4524. That's 4524. To listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 4524 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to IWantToGive.com. That's IWantToGive.com. Listen to BrothersOfTheWord.com often because, brother, you need the word. Brothers of the Word.